welcome back to State of Mind, my podcast series all about health and nutrition and living a conscious and connected life with yourself and those around you. Today, I'm talking to the amazing Josh, who has spearheaded the community-based project Do Summit Good in Wales. I met Josh one morning at sunrise when we swam in the sea together on Rotherslade Beach, I think it was, in our favourite town of Mumbles. I got talking to Josh about his life's mission, basically, which is to do something good. He's recently crowdfunded £10,000 to buy a very special steam oven to bake what he calls his truffle bars. One of the projects that Do Summit Good is working on is their truffle bar bar, which is currently being built. The bar is a delicious chocolate vegan truffle bar made from beans grown on a community farm on the Gower Peninsula. Josh tells me the story of why he went from running his successful cafes in Swansea to living in a van with his wife for eight months traveling around Europe and then finally realizing he wanted to just do something good. If you enjoy this episode, I love it if you could leave me a review on the iTunes podcast app if you haven't already and share the episode in your Insta stories so that more people can find the podcast. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome, Josh, to the podcast. Hello, welcome <laughs> to my room. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, welcome to, to, my, to my podcast. <laughs> um, really great to have you on, and I'm really excited to chat all things truffle bars. Mm. Um, secret recipe, which hopefully you'll tell me later on in the podcast. Nice. <laughs> um, but the first question I ask everyone is, what was the last thing you did that positively impacted your health? Nice, I like this question. Um, I've started going swimming in the sea because we're in Swansea and uh, it's like 10 minutes from my house. So yeah, we're doing that, doing it for a thousand days for challenges, thousand days in a row every morning. Um, And we are day 195 today. So we've got a big, we do a little celebration party every hundred days. You say we, it's because you started doing this by yourself, but now you have like a little crew of people that meet you every morning. There is, and they're really cute. I I yeah. I love the guys that come down. I did start off just me. And the, well, the first morning I got the dog involved. And then day two, I got up. It must have been, we're going down about five, six. Mm. And the dog just looked at me and she was like, I am not going there again. Really? <laughs> I'm not joining you in the sea. So it was me for the first like month. Then one mate joined. And I think I posted it as a story. And I said like, guest dipper, Dan came this morning or something. And then, uh, Everyone was like, oh, I want to I want to do a guest dip. Yeah. And it turned into this like guest dippers thing. And so like there's sometimes like four people, five people. You had like 40 people down one morning. That's this amazing. morning when you came, it was like eight of us. It was yeah, really yeah. nice. And what inspired you to start throwing yourself into the freezing cold ocean? Um, I think I just listened over like a week, two weeks to a few people back to back. So like Wim Hof, I listened to a podcast with him and... Uh, I've been like following him for like three years now um, and the happy pair who you went to see and, and just hearing about them jumping into cold water and the positive effects that they had felt. Um, but also we went away in a van for about eight months, me and my wife, Beth, and uh, a mate was like, oh, you should jump in a lake like every time you stop. And uh, I didn't quite manage that, but up in Norway, we were jumping in lakes and it was like, wow, this just, it feels awesome. Like, mm. 
you can't be miserable jumping into cold water. No. Like everything disappears out of your head. Yeah, and you, yeah. you immediately go into, oh my gosh, it's so, it's so cold. Oh my yeah. gosh. It's like this um, euphoric feeling. It is. Especially when you get out, you just, I don't know what it is. Like you just feel firstly really warm. Yeah. Do you know that, you know that feeling where like you, cause I never really, I'm like desperate to get in unless it's like a hot summery day. But I'm always tempted when I see water to be like, I should really try that. Cause every swim is different. Yeah. But then when you get out, you just feel like, because you're colder than the air temperature, you just feel invincible. Yeah, and I totally. love that feeling for about five minutes until it wears off. And then you're <laughs> yeah, like, and you're, I'm cold oh my again. God, I'm so cold. <laughs> Get my towel. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It's every, but still, every morning, like, I'm what, nearly 200 in. I don't want to go in. Mm. I like get down the beach and I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Also, and you're doing it at sunrise, aren't you? So it's, it's been sunrise. early starts for you for the last 100 and whatever yeah, days. Yeah, no lions for like nearly 200 days. Yeah. That's like its own challenge. Um, but I never feel like going in. So I take, take all my clothes off. I wear shorts. And uh, as I'm walking towards the water, I'm like, oh, I feel really cold. Mm. And I feel like, oh. And every single morning I come out and I'm like, oh my word. I feel amazing. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, I'm alive now. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know when or if that'll ever change that headspace of like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah, I've like done it enough times. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Amazing. <laughs> um, so just want to rewind the clocks a little bit and um, get you to tell us about you and your journey to what you're doing now, which is an incredible plant-based community venture. Um, mm. Have you always been this person? Like what's what's the backstory to Josh Ooh. and Summit Good? Oh, what an interesting question. Um, I hope yeah, he has an interesting I've always answer. been Josh. Yeah, I used to be Gary. <laughs> uh, no, um, I, so I grew up in like Hertfordshire um, and pretty like middle class, normal family, nothing like too drastic was going on. So I was in that like, hey, I go to school and I get a degree in university and I did that and I went to university in oceanography at Southampton. And was like, oh, this is interesting. Maybe some good career prospects. So I went to marine surveying and was surveying the seabed. And that was like a good fun job for like four or five years. And it was kind of going places and then something just hit me I think between the ages of like maybe 19 and 25 I went through this huge like um kind of spiritual not awakening it kind of sounds a bit vague but just trying to understand who I am what my life is about and what my purpose is and so I just hit a point where I was working for this marine survey company and a mate of mine was opening a cafe and he was like God, oh, I've got this uh idea to open a cafe and we're going to make money and give all our profits away to charity is this in wales by this point this is in swansea so i'm living in swansea just moved to swansea working in bridge end and commuting and uh i've just found this new like group of mates in swansea and he's got this idea and i was like oh i could just quit my job and uh i remember telling my parents and they're like you idiot like don't you dare quit your job to work in a cafe like you got a career ahead of you and your, your degree you're just throwing it out the window and I was like, oh, I'm going to quit my job. Um, so I did it. I quit my job. And I, the thought, I think I quit it because the thought of physically and like, what's the word? Just day-to-day impacting people's lives and seeing a change in people and being able to interact with humans was like really appealing to me. Mm-hmm. So I quit my job. I managed this cafe and we started a cafe in Swansea called Square Peg. 
Um, and it was amazing. Like it grew in a year to we had like 10, 11, we went up to about 14 staff. And then we expanded and we got like a second shop in Mumbles, um, which was pegged too. And then it kind of, I, I think I was just, something about me, you asked what was your question, like tell me about me. Mm. I, I struggle I think with a lot of like pride sometimes and ego. And I think I hit a point where I just the people aspect of a job disappeared and I was too focused on, hey, this model is amazing. I want to duplicate it and I want to do really well. And I've, I think I went too far in that. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming home one evening when we were setting up a second shop and I was on my laptop and it was like one in the morning and I just got married at this point and Beth was upstairs and I was like, what are you doing? You just got married. Like your wife's gone to bed and you're like worrying about setting up another shop and trying to make it successful. And I was like, I've just lost, I've lost the point of this. Mm. And so I remember the next day, um, I sat down with Beth and I was like, do you fancy like a big change? Like, how do you feel about living in a van? And she was like, Beth is like my sounding board, right? Mm. If like, she's pretty good. She knows what's right and wrong. She calms me down. She like, if she thinks it's good, I'm like, awesome. It must be awesome. So um, she was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. I think we should do it. And I was like, what was Beth doing at this point? Yeah, she had a full-time job in with Bernardo's. So working in a children's charity, like really stable. We just moved into our first flat. And uh, she was like, yeah, why not? So I was like, oh my word are you serious like wow. is, is this a thing and we the next day we looked at vans um and we kind of looked half looked nothing really happened but then I remember the following day was Monday and I go into peg two this new shop and this dude turns up at peg two and he's in like this mattress outfit with premium mattresses on okay and he walks up to a door and he opens the door at nine in the morning he's like anyone want to buy a mattress and I was like oh, I'm just, I'm thinking about buying a van. I, I could do with a mattress. And I was like, nah, don't worry about it, man. Like, no one around here. Because uh, I was like, nah, it's going to be too expensive. And he was like, oh, they're uh, thousand pound mattresses. I'm doing it for like 400 quid. And I was like, oh, okay. He said, uh, that's a big discount. I was like, I've got like, I could maybe find, let me see if I got 200 quid. And he was like, oh yeah, I could, I could probably do it for 200 quid. God. And I was like, oh my word. I was like, shady mattress yes. dealer. <laughs> so I went, I went out the back and was like, I've got about 120 quid. I'm really sorry, man. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I can't afford your mattress. And he was like, all right, I'll do it. 120 quid. And I was like, you're joking me. Oh my gosh. He'd stolen the mattress so, van and he was driving I bet it you, around. Yeah, trying he'd to ship killed them. the mattress guy. He'd put on Tony the mattress man's outfit. Um, so I drag, I go out to this van. It's all legit. We're all like wrapped up. It's got a thousand pound price tag on it. And he gives me this mattress for 120 quid. And I hope like no one tracks me down and like mm. I get arrested. It's not your this. fault, yeah. Josh. It's not my fault. Um, so I get this mattress and I bring it home. And I remember Beth getting back from work and I was like, well, this van thing is going to happen then. I just bought a mattress for the van we don't own yet. <laughs> and she was like, cool. So uh, we moved out, moved in with her parents because yeah. they've got a drive. Um, so we then put the van, we found a van, we put it on a drive and I am not like practical whatsoever. So I used YouTube and converted this old minibus we found in the valleys in like, took me about six months and then we disappeared in a van for six months or for for about eight months. That's so great. Um, so yeah, that kind of, that all happened and then we kind of get to where we are now, um, or the start of this year. And I came back and was like, right, I'm going to just 
I think I've got to do life a bit differently mm. um, and just decided I want to do my own thing now. Um, I've had a bit of a taste of like a few different things and let me see if I can run with my own ideas. Um, and that's where Summit Good kind of came about. And um, what is the the idea behind Summit Good? So Summit Good is like almost a fruit bowl of a whole bunch of different ventures. And they're all about bringing or doing purposeful things. So mm-hmm. we're running a venture. We just started one with Truffle Bar Venture at the moment, which is um, about growing um, beans, Bellotti beans specifically, really sustainably on Gower. And making just really good, healthy, but delicious like food, um, which is this little truffle bar. Which is kind of like chocolatey with some mm. dates and the beans. Yeah. So we use beans. So beans, bellotti beans are like 70, 80% of the ingredients. Mm. So super high in protein. Um, and just beans are great for you. Like mm. they're, they lower your like blood sugar levels and your cholesterol. And they're good like folate source and... Um, yeah, beans are great. And they require like minimal water to grow. Yeah. So they're really good for like UK growing, mm. um, which is important. To Rains us. quite a lot in Wales, it as does, I've experienced yeah. the last few days. A lot. <laughs> yeah. So you've just crowdfunded £10,000, I think, yeah. for the truffle bar. Mm. Um, and you're setting up your first truffle bar cafe. Yeah, the truffle bar bar. Okay, great name. So, so um. <laughs> Yeah, we crowdfunded mainly to get enough money for the oven. So we need like steam to bake these things. So we okay. got a nice fancy oven and uh, we got a little space in a CrossFit gym and we're just going to start baking them. Mm. Like, we kind of went, what can we do now? Um, let's try and crowdfund a bit of money, but how can we keep overhead slow? We yeah, got yeah. friends who would give us a space and we got some mates who did. Um, and just start seeing if it works, start yeah. pumping them out. And then what's the, because you said it's a fruit bowl of lots of different things. Yeah. What are some of the other projects like that you would be pursuing? Yeah, so we've got like four things going on. We've got something next door. So the room we're in now is a big CrossFit warehouse. And we're about to take on the warehouse unit next door. And that is all about creating spaces for other people to grow their ideas and their ventures. So we're basically fabricating shipping containers from Mm. inside the warehouse and we're stacking them outside a bit like a little box park in an industrial estate yeah and just creating communal workspaces and creating steps so once you've come maybe you're you think about setting up your own business and you come with your laptop and you're like tapping away after work and you're starting this thing yeah then we've got like the next three steps for you so it's like hey we've got a little mini space you can have your own office and meet clients and collaborate with people and get your privacy. Yeah. And then you can go up to a, a bigger container, which is a retail space, and you can start selling things. So really, it's about a bit like us with the truffle bars, helping people in that journey of like their purpose, really. Yeah. You're sat in a job and you're like, oh, I don't feel like this is the right thing for me. Mm. We want to be able to say, hey, we got a space. So you can try out what you're passionate about. Mm. So come like... Come just rent a bit of space off us and see how it goes. Yeah. Why Why do you think it is that so many of us get to that point with our lives now where we're like, I'm really not... Because I think... I'm mincing my words a bit, but I think, you know, older generations, like my parents, for example, their generation were quite happy to get a job and stay in that job for the whole of their lives and just kind of graft away at it. And... Mm. The kind of concept of, you know, I should really enjoy my job was there for some people, but but I don't think was there for for everyone. It was just something you did 
and that was fine. Whereas these days, us young folk are much more, no, I don't want to do that. You know, I need to find my passion and I need to do all of these different jobs. But I guess my question was going to be, why do you think we all get to that point where we really need to change tact? Like, what is it about the way we're living our lives that's leading us to this, like, huge climax where we're like, everything is wrong. I need to go and live in a van, you know? I think it all comes down to, both on a positive and a negative scale, like globalization and we're so connected now so we can see other people on the other side of the world are doing things and making it work mm, so we're comparing and ourselves. so yeah so we go oh maybe i can do it and we quit our jobs yeah as like young millennials we all quit our jobs and do and follow our passions because i saw a guy in taiwan do it you know yeah but also it works on like the negative scale like it, it doesn't always work you know and yeah. we are so connected that i don't know we can sometimes not be Um, maybe as realistic as we need to be yeah totally I suppose I mean that's what happened with the swimming you saw Wim Hof do it and you thought I can do that yeah I can be the ice man yeah totally it's definitely well for me it's always been a positive thing I think unless comparison creeps in yeah and that's where I've got to like really knuckle down and like not get carried away with like other people doing Mm. um I don't know hospitality food ventures mm. and me saying oh my gosh maybe we need to change maybe we need a full coffee shop maybe we need to yeah, do yeah. brunch options it's like no dude you're making truffle do you, bars yeah do, do your you. niche yeah. yeah yeah i think that's such vital advice oh big time especially having worked in the cafe space in london everyone tries to outdo each other with avocado on toast it's like how many different ways can you do avocado on toast yeah totally <laughs> you know? totally we found that square peg was i think 2015 in swansea was the first speciality coffee shop started doing like some brunch options and now you could get at least 12 places in three years mm. all avocado on toast mm. and you got two different types of toast now so you can have granary or sourdough or, oh i know yeah but um yeah i wanted to ask you about your um the kickstarter video for summit good yeah you which is really cool by the way so you used actors in that video or friends i don't know adults direct they were directors for something good okay yeah, yeah. but um all of the voiceovers were done by like toddlers, like really young yeah. children. What was the reason behind that? I think... I'm hoping it's like a very profound... Absolutely not. No. Okay. <laughs> I'd seen um, a mate do a, a nativity thing at Christmas and he did the same thing. He acted out a nativity, but with kids voiceovers. Mm. And I just thought it was hilarious. And then I saw the Haribo advert. Mm. And so when we were like, let's do an advert. I was like, oh my gosh, we should totally just get kids. Because yeah. I found it funny. Um, See, there was me thinking it has something to do with like the future of the world, being the children. Yeah, totally. The next generation. That's what I wanted to. Yeah, because you're trying to do something good for the planet and for the community. So I was like, oh, this is so clever. (laughs) And just not. You should have owned that, Josh. I know. I'm so sorry. (laughs) For for it to like not be too serious, that was a big part of it. Is like we just don't want to be too serious, you know. Mm. Like the biggest thing about doing this and quitting our jobs and why people don't, I think, is just fear. Like we're so full of fear. Um, that we're just like, oh, let's have some fun. We're not on the mm. planet for very long. Yeah. We, none of us know when we're on the planet for how long, you know? So, yeah. yeah. What are the main issues, like, be they planetary or social, that you're trying to tackle with something mm. good? Um, I think one of the biggest is fear. So it's like putting those steps in place, whether that's like next door with the 
the warehouse and the shipping containers, hey, here's some baby steps for you to mm. grow into your purpose and for us to try and nullify that fear mm. or even like dietary. Hey, here's a really tasty chocolate bar. So you, you think you're eating <laughs> rubbish or you think you, you can just have nice indulgent food, but actually it's really good for you. Mm. And you can eat that and go, oh my gosh, that's, that's yeah. just plants. And you go, yeah, maybe you should try some other things that are just plants. Yeah. Um, because we just believe that plants are so good for your body. Yeah. You know? So um, just trying to tackle fear for change, I think, um, in small steps, whether that's dietary or... Yeah, I love that. Are you... Yeah. You're vegan, aren't you? Or fully kind of yeah, plant based? Yeah, plant based, I'd say. Like, have you, has that been always the way or? No, it was uh, just after we got married. We went to Poland, Beth and I, and we stayed at this beautiful little Airbnb. And I remember going out for dinner that night and we had, I had a huge pork schnitzel, I had an egg on top. And I was like, this is delicious. I loved it. And I came home and we sat and we watched Netflix and watched What the Health. Oh. And yeah. I put it on pretty like nonchalant, just watched it. And uh, like 20 minutes in, we were both like eyeballing this thing. And then immediately after I turned to each other and was like, I don't think I can ever eat meat again or mm. dairy. And it was overnight. That's it. So it was like click of the fingers. I think for a lot of people, it is one of these documentaries like Cowspiracy. Oh, big or, time, yeah. Yeah, or What the Health. And they're just like, can't do it anymore. Yeah. And I haven't created, like I thought, it would be this big process and I'd be craving it and on and off and but it was like no I can't do it did you notice any changes in your health like, immediately after going plant-based or um uh, like did yeah. it take a while for the, you to kind of work out how to do it well yeah big time um but like lethargicness disappeared like yeah obviously if I'm waking up at five in the morning sometimes I'm a little bit groggy but it was nothing like what it was for mm. both of us um so that was the biggest thing, I think. But otherwise, no, nothing too... It mm. wasn't... It was really easy, if mm. I'm honest. Um, a few, we adjusted our milk. So we started drinking oat milk and that was like the biggest change other than just cutting out meat and dairy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we were really we were really connected back in Swansea with... We get this veg box from uh, Kaitan. And so we're eating a lot of vegetables and we're like around a lot of veg all the time. So we're quite familiar with like veg. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that here in because obviously me being from London like I'm it's so easy to access nutritious healthy often plant-based food mm. do you feel like in the Gower where yeah. we are people are gonna I mean how what do you reckon the response to your truffle bar is gonna be like a kind of low sugar full of beans chocolate bar essentially do you think yeah. people are gonna be like nah it's definitely a challenge it's definitely a challenge <laughs> definitely it's um one swansea is like 10 years behind london so mm. like there's that challenge of the whole plant-based thing is hasn't really caught up yet but swansea in itself is like a seaside village is pretty um they're kind of everyone's into yoga and they're quite conscious about what they're eating and they're quite slow paced and thoughtful mm. um so hopefully it cottons on with like that community yeah but gower in general is very like pro meat and pro local produce eggs and cheeses and stuff yeah um so that'll be a yeah hard one to crack with the farmers of gower yeah definitely um going back to your van days yeah i'm really intrigued because my husband and i 
like wanted to buy a van for the longest time not necessarily to live in for the length of time that you did more just like so we can go away at weekends and not have to pay for an airbnb yeah what were some of the biggest challenges you faced for six months in your van oh my god what living in it Mm. or building it all of it well um was it did you have was it the kind of van that um had like did you plumb it did it have a sink yeah yeah so it was like it was an old minibus it was a long thing um so we plumbed it and had like solar panels on top so so we didn't want to pay for any like campsites yeah and we i think we left and did eight months around there's about 26 countries in with like four grand maybe so two grand was like fuel and Mm. two grand for like food um so there's no like eating out restaurants or like parking up in the center of some city and going for like dinner you know so it was very basic food so i'm i'm okay i'm better than beth uh so far as i can eat the same thing every day like she likes variation which Mm. is like a normal person Mm. um but i went on like rice and potato um i made like a variation of rice and potato curry every single lunch for like the, a whole eight months. Presumably <laughs> then, with some beans. <laughs> no beans, nothing. There's nothing. No protein. No protein. So it was like my breakfast was porridge. Yeah. Um, if we had found, like driving through Central Europe, there's those little honey stops on the side of the road. If we found some honey, we'd buy some honey um, and have some of that. But it was like plain porridge. I'd have my rice and potato lunch and then we'd have some <laughs> veg in the evening. And like, if we were lucky, we'd buy some beans and like mash them up and have burgers like on a Friday night. And have like bean burgers. Oh my God, my nutritionist head but, is like so worried about yeah. your lack of protein right now. <laughs> I know, I know. So, um, but Beth is like, no, I need to have like some fruit, a salad, like lunchtime. I can't just have your stupid potato curry. Yeah. For like the whole time. And what was it like, um, ha- you know, was it difficult to readjust come, like when you came Coming home? Back. Yeah. After eight months of just you guys on the road in nature. Big time. And then coming back to a pretty built up town. Yeah. Like we went... Um, Serious post-holiday blues, I'd imagine. No, not so much. Like we didn't miss going away. If anything, we came home early. We came back quicker than we should have because we, we really love community and we've got an amazing like bunch of mates and community around us in Swansea. So actually we came home sooner than we thought because we were like, oh, I think we're done now, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, there is an element of like, it is boring. Like if you are not prepared to sit and do nothing or be happy doing nothing or reading then I don't think you enjoy it it's it's a really boring lifestyle so you gotta like learn to generate your own fun and your own interests or whatever um but yeah coming back was like wow you guys all need to chill out like we we went around we floated around I would say these countries and um we both have like a really strong faith. So we like go to church and we like, I love Jesus, right? So we float around these countries and we're kind of like, hey, whatever happens, happens. You know, like if our van breaks down, someone will pop up. Like we ran out of money at the top of Norway and we went for a climb that night because it was a midnight sun and we stood on the top of a mountain and we're like, what are we going to do? We've got 200 quid and that will get us like a fifth of a way down Norway. And we got a text from a farmer we had just bumped into. And he was like, hey, do you guys want to work on the farm? I don't know how long you're staying, but we'll pay you like 1,500 quid a month. And we were like, you're joking. And this dude turns out of nowhere, this fat Norwegian guy called Rolf. And he was hilarious. And he paid us like, we stayed there for two two months. He paid us like three grand. 
which was just it's like nothing to them because salaries mm. are so high and we just we became like their children on the farm so they cooked for us every day we parked our van outside the farmhouse and we helped them run their farm um and so we kind of just drifted around and bad things happened but it's okay bad mm. things happen all the time and good things come around as well mm. and we floated back home down to back to Swansea and everyone's like oh my gosh you need car insurance you need to get a car I need to get a job and you need to get back into society and we were like what no no we don't we just need to chill for a bit and yeah. see what happens and then follow whatever happens you know so the Amazing. pace was like totally different yeah um, so that was like getting used to and we moved back in as soon as we came home with best parents who are like phenomenal but when you've lived like just you two in your own space with like hardly anything mm. it's a, it's just going to be like different awkward yeah. and yeah mm. so we're we move out in like where are we today wednesday move mm. out on friday Woo. so we've been living at home with best parents for like nearly a year now <laughs> we've really milked it yeah um so yeah we're excited to get our own space again that's great have some nice houseplants. Yeah, some millennial houseplants. <laughs> yeah, some very You're not millennial. millennial unless you have like some succulents. <laughs> yeah. um, so just before I ask you my last three questions I ask everyone, um, if you could give listeners like a couple of takeaways from this episode of stuff we've talked about, what would they be? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would want like everyone to know that they are loved like everything I do for my life now is because I come from a place of like, I know I'm loved. Like whether it's not the like people who you have around you, but I believe and like, I love to talk to someone today for like, what does that even mean? Mm. But I believe that there's like a higher power out there that like mm. totally loves you. Um, and so all your problems and actions and stuff can then flow out of a place of like love and just from my personal experience it means it's been everything it's like who I am it means I can love my wife more it means I can love other people more I've got energy to do that mm. because in and of myself I'm pretty pathetic at loving people <laughs> like I'm pretty crap um and I don't have much energy for it um but other other than going too deep um eat more plants and yeah. jump in the cold water I love it. <laughs> so those are my other two so amazing um yeah um and then just to finish i ask everyone these questions what's one thing in life that you'd do again if you could oh i'll get married again our wedding day was so nice where did you get and married? it's like one of those things like oh i'm never gonna have that again yeah 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 um we unless you get married twice, like I do. Unless you get married twice. To the same person. <laughs> I used to do that. Yeah, once in same. Australia, once in England. Oh, nice. Same John Lewis gift list. Um, no, that was just the UK one. Australia was just like, it was like a, just like a party on the beach. Nice. Next parents' house was like on the water. Oh. And like everyone, t I mean, everyone just turned up, you know, Aussies are like, like flip flops and yeah. board shorts. And Super I was a bit chill. like, um, sorry. Where is your black tie? Like I'm Those in a, I'm in a yeah. wedding dress, you know, yeah, like suits. dress up. <laughs> um, but that's such a lovely answer. So you do your wedding day again. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And what's one thing that you would change if you could? Absolutely nothing. Like I'm a massive advocate. I wouldn't change anything. Like everything about where I am today is from like a past relationship that was bad, you know, or 
a job that went horrifically wrong you know Mm. or a relationship with a boss that was like terrible Mm. it's all of it I look back and I'm like wow those are the big steps that got me to here now yeah so like no absolutely nothing amazing (laughs) and finally the podcast is called state of mind Mm. what does state of mind mean to you um when I think of state of mind when, when I saw that question I was like ah, oh, what's my like state of mind like? How do I, how do I use my mind? This probably doesn't make any sense what I'm about to say. Um, but I think I, I need to use my heart more. I think I use my mind too much sometimes. Like, you I mean, think like, overthink I, it's a battle. Things or? Overthink things and I go into things thinking about, this is typical when I was working in that cafe, like, oh, I need to make this much profit to make this much and this business needs to work like this and this relationship like this and I don't use my heart and I don't think about relationships and people mm-hmm. and my feelings and how I'm how I'm feeling about things like positively or negatively and just stop. Mm-hmm. And so as much as I need to keep my mind healthy and keep it active, I also need to remember like there's something which I believe can like trump your mind and help your mind overcome things, which is your heart. So to stop, when things are getting overwhelming and go okay it's okay I feel like this let mm. me just listen to my heart for a bit mm. rather than my mind because that can be a billion miles an hour sometimes mm. that's <laughs> such doesn't a great answer out. I love that thank you so much Josh this ah, has been thanks for coming wonderful awesome <laughs> awesome Thank you so much again for tuning in to State of Mind. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did and I got to go to Wales, one of my favourite places to record it. If you did enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on the iTunes podcast app and give me five stars. I'll see you again here next week. Bye.